The Live with Squacky podcast is sponsored in part by Mid-Atlantic VoiceOver and Antland Productions. Hi, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Live with Squacky. I'm your host, Val Kelly, otherwise known as Squacky Voice. Can you guys believe this year has flown by so fast? I feel like I say that every year, but I also feel like the older I get, the faster time seems to pass. Anyway, it's so soon, and I'm so excited about this year's event. The schedule's out, and it's going to be our best event yet. Our keynote speaker is the incomparable casting director and actress, Serena Irwin. She's so amazing. If you haven't listened to my interview with her on here yet, definitely check it out. She's incredibly talented. In addition to Serena, we also have 22 other equally talented guest speakers joining us at this year's event. It's a great chance for you guys to get a sneak peek at the industry pros you'll be learning from at the event. Now, let me get to talking about our special guest for today. Sean Pratt has been a working actor for over 30 years. He's been an audiobook narrator for 25 years, a.k.a. Lloyd James, recording over 1,100 books in almost every genre, and has received nine Audiophile Magazine Earphone Awards, five Sova's nominations, and five Audi nominations from the Audio Publishers Association. Sean is also the author of To Be or Wanna Be, the top ten differences between a successful actor and a starving artist, an actor's how-to book that talks about approaches and behaviors that separate a thriving actor from a starving artist. Currently, Sean coaches performers on audiobook narration technique, as well as teaching classes on and writes articles about the business of the biz. Be sure to check out his website at www.seanprattpresents.com. Sean has been a guest speaker at a few Mavo events in the past. I try to have him back every few years because he's so great. Anyway, let's dive right into this. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today, Sean. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, this year at Mavo 2023, you're offering a 60-minute general session called Why Audiobooks Are a Smart Choice to Add to Your VoiceOver Career, a 90-minute breakout session called Audiobook Demos, Do's and Don'ts, and a three-hour mastery session called Sean Pratt Presents a Nonfiction Audiobook Narration Deep Dive. Can you tell us a little bit about each of these classes and why people should attend? Sure. Why Audiobooks Are a Smart Choice for Your Career. Now, I know for a lot of people who are in commercial VO, when they're doing their radio spots or video games, corporate or e-learning, the money there is so much more when you look at time to money, your ratio of doing the job. I have plenty of friends who work in those areas, and they think I, as the audiobook guy, I'm crazy because comparatively speaking, I don't make as much when I work, but I argue they audition all the time two or three or five or 10 times a day they're auditioning and maybe working a couple times a month. And there's a lot of downtime. So I always respond when I have these conversations with my friends, you have the time to incorporate audiobooks into your career so that in between the auditions or the days where there isn't any, you've got this project to work on, whatever that might be. Now, there are things you have to sort of scale up to do because if you're used to only working 30-minute shot to get a couple of spots out the door, that's a very different experience than having to sit down for hours a day and narrate. And there can be the psychological challenge of not making as much money for finished hour, but we get paid by the finished hour as opposed to a contract. You know, you're going to get paid X for this gig. But I argue that if you're going to be working behind the mic on a day in, day out basis, 
you need to incorporate audiobooks. And so this class will talk about how to go about that. Once again, I'll go a little further into it, why it is a smart choice, and that it can open up opportunities you had no idea were out there just by expanding your client base. The breakout session, the demos, the do's and don'ts, You know, our demos are fundamentally different than any other kind of VO demo out there. We don't do a reel like you would have 10 second spots all linked together with music and production and all sorts of bells and whistles. Ours are much more simple, deceptively simple, I should say, that there is a structure there. There's a sort of a working philosophy behind what makes a good audiobook demo. Once again, if you make this decision to go down this path, you should have the right demos. And so I talk about, first of all, stepping back away from the material itself, how to decide what kind of demos to choose and what the criteria are, and then exploring where do you find the demos, editing them, recording them, and getting them out and building on those and adding them to your portfolio. So that's really what we're doing with the audiobook demo class. I'm excited about that one. And then the the last one is sort of one I've done Several times, it's one of my favorite ones. It's a deep dive into nonfiction audiobook narration, since that's my specialty now, both as a teacher and as a performer. A lot of people shy away from nonfiction. They think it's boring or that it's not challenging or that AI is going to take it all away from us. And none of those things are true. None of them. And I can tell you that your ability, once again, if you're going to go down this path to do both fiction and nonfiction, just opens up more doors. And so we're going to be exploring some fundamental concepts that I teach my students to get them going. I'm a, what they call a strategic coach. So I have a curriculum. I teach, it's like going back to school when my students come to work with me, (laughs) which is very different from a tactical coach. You work with somebody live on the mic and they coach you through a, a little section. We will have some samples to work through. I'll be teaching probably three core ideas throughout the session And a limited number of people will have a chance to read with me. I would probably go one step further and say that if they've made the decision to come to any of those sessions, I'd say take copious notes. I provide anything you're going to need to take away with you, like handouts and stuff to read. So come prepared to take some notes and have a good time. They all sound like they're going to be really great classes. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So you've been in the industry for a long time now. What were some of the important early lessons that you learned in your career to help you to be more successful? I fell into audio. Well, I say fell into audiobooks. Actually, I broke the door down. I was a theater actor who ran out of theater work, and I was just moved to Washington, D.C. This is back in 1996. Oh, wow. And I knew of an actor who did audiobooks because I'd done a play down there a few years before. And he helped introduce me to some other narrators who were well-connected and, um, got me sort of going, got my first books. And some of the early things that I did in my career that were fundamental was I shut up and listened. I didn't come in with any kind of preconceived, like, well, I am a theater actor and I know (laughs) how to say things, but, you know, and I was a classical theater actor for years and years. And, but this was a brand new venue. And so I listened to what they had to say. I listened to as many audiobooks as I could find. And I learned very quickly that At the end of the day, no matter what venue of show business you're in, it's always, always the business side that makes the difference. Because if you have even a small modicum of talent, when you practice every day, you're going to get better. It's a given, right? But if you don't follow up, I call it the hustle and the grind. You know, you should be excited by the hustle of being in VO. 
about the opportunity to audition for projects, tracking down producers or different opportunities. That's the fun stuff. The grind is all the emails and the follow-up and the invoicing and all that. But I paid attention to the people who were established. I asked questions and took notes. And then I did give myself some loose milestones to hit, but I also realized that this was something brand new. It was outside my experience, and I didn't even know what I didn't know. So I learned as I went. I wasn't so harsh on myself when I maybe came up a little short on something, because I realized I was still learning, whether that was um, learning about vocal stamina when you're doing audiobooks, which is at a whole different level than doing commercial VO, about what's required to actually produce an audiobook. And then, of course, you learn what is your specialty or how does the industry view you when it comes to casting. That was a lot of give and take, whether it was going to parties and talking to other narrators, reading Audiophile magazine, and then just the experience of being in the booth for hours and just playing around and seeing where the performance took me. Those are all really great things. I do agree with you that the business side is oftentimes what trips people up the most is they don't understand that it's not just about, it's mostly about the acting. You have to have the talent, right? But if you don't have the business side of it under control, running a business is hard. I would also push back a bit and say, there's a lot of really talented people out there who are terrible business people. And conversely, I have friends who by their own admission will admit that they're, at best, okay as a performer. But where they have an edge is they really understand the business aspect of being a freelancer. The networking, building a client base, the follow-up, asking the right questions, how to search for work. A lot of my students, when they come to me initially, were like, I just want to narrate. I just wanted to perform and <laughs> let my spirit out through the microphone. I said, that's all great. I understand that. But unless you're willing to do this other stuff... You will never get to the goals you want. Sometimes have to quite literally beat that into them <laughs> so that they, I mean, no narrators were harmed in the work of Sean. Uh, anyway, just kidding. Um, <laughs> if you don't approach the business side, to me, it's always the business side that makes the difference. I think so too. Yeah, I really do. Well, what are some vital techniques that voice actors need to have to be more bookable in the industry? So from my perspective, it's about knowing how you're being cast, which I think actually that's pretty much across the board. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, like, you have a very unique voice, and you know what you're going to get hired in. So you have to learn, for a lot of new voice actors, there's the work you get hired for, and the work you may want to do, and sometimes there's a lot of daylight between those two. You know, like, you may want to do true crime novels, but you don't have a voice for a true crime novel, <laughs> you know? You have to know how the industry sees you. You have to know the limits of your talent. And the essence of what you can bring. Having good demos is also really key. And I know these are all fundamentals, but the obvious things like having a really good website laid out correctly and having one that is easy to navigate, learning how to stay in touch with clients. You'll notice none of this is talent. This is all business stuff, yeah. which makes you more bookable right. so that people can find, you know, it's shocking to me when I listen to, uh, say, Anna Clements on Clubhouse, when she's talking to people about their work in her talk show format, and they'll be going on and Anna will go, you know, while we've been chatting, I've been trying to find you online and I can't find a single place where you are except your Facebook page. How are people going to find you? You can't be booked if no one can find you. Right. That boils down to little things like, unless you have a really unique brand, like something as simple as having your own name 
on your website, seanprattpresents.com. That's how people find me. Right. Or seanpratt at comcast.net. It's not mrgingerman.com <laughs> or whatever. You know, you, you have to have something people can remember. And something that simple, if you don't understand the freelancer lifestyle and how to run a business, those little things can add up to blocking just enough opportunities off that you will never know about, by the way. Right. That suddenly you're going, why am I not booking work? And this other person who started at the same time I did is booking work. And we're more or less in the same category. It's an amalgamate. It's a collection. It sort of gains its own um, momentum when you have the right website, the right contact information. You're on social media promoting your work. That sends out enough energy to get things rolling. So to me, making yourself more bookable is about looking at the colleagues you have in your particular part of the VO industry. Look at what they're doing and mimic and come up with that. Because trust me, that's what they did when they started. There's no such thing as a new idea. It's about your take on the idea. And if you can follow your colleagues and say, oh, I see what he's doing there. I think I have my version of that. And then exploring and pushing that and making that happen. Well, that's making yourself more bookable. So you've spoken at quite a few conferences and events, including Mavo in the past. <laughs> yes. And you keep agreeing to come back, so that's a good thing. <laughs> so what are you most excited about in presenting at Mavo 2023 in November? First of all, I'm blown away by the scale of it. I remember when you first started. <laughs> and look how far it's come. And yeah. so you've got a larger audience, a more dedicated audience. It's been in the past when I go to workshops or conferences, they're all about audiobooks. And so when I have a chance to go to a voiceover conference, now that COVID's behind us, I'm getting back in the groove of that, of going to conferences just devoted to voiceover, generally. Right. But, you know, like it or not, I hate to say it, but audiobooks are sort of the ugly redheaded stepchild of the voiceover industry <laughs> because we don't make as much money. It's a lot more work. So it seems a bit off-putting at first glance for a lot of people, whether they're new or established voice actors. And I feel it's exciting to come to a VO conference and sort of evangelize why it's important, which is why, like I said, my first thing is why are audiobooks a good choice for your career? There's a reason why from both performance to grow as a performer, but also grow as a business person, grow your business by doing that. And so, you know, and then also the, the ancillary things that I get to meet my Facebook colleagues who I finally get to see in person and, you know, encounter people who end up wanting to study with me. And uh, since my kids are grown and they live in Maryland, it's a chance also for me to sneak over and see my kids. Oh, so that'd that's be fun. great. I didn't know yeah. that. That's fantastic. Yes. Okay. Let's switch gears a little bit. How has your summer been? What have you been up to? Have you been traveling? Do you have any favorite travel destinations? Tell me about what's been happening with you besides the audiobook stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, my life is sort of bifurcated. It has two tracks it runs on. I spend two months of my year in Oklahoma City, here where I live. And then I spend another two months in England with my partner, Anna Clements. And then I bounce back and forth. So I'm constantly going every two months back and forth between there and here, seeing her. And then she comes over when she can as well. So that's always wonderful. And she's actually getting ready to be here in just uh, two days. She's coming to speak at a conference in Dallas. So I said, you come here Well, I'll drive you down to Dallas and I'll be your assistant for a few days and let you do your thing and drive you back. You know, summer for me is about trying to get out to see the kids and get to the ocean maybe once or twice in Delaware. 
Yeah. There's always work. There's always students. There's always books to record. I try to select a certain number of weekends to just disappear, go to the lake or whatever. But my favorite place to go, as far as destination, Anna's family is Spanish. Her father was from Madrid and her mother was from the Canary Islands. And even though she was born and raised in London, her family has several apartments in the Canary Islands in Gran Canaria, which is the main island in the chain, which is off the west coast of Africa. And it feels sort of like going to, in a broad sense, like Acapulco or Puerto Vallarta in Mexico. Oh, cool. You know, yeah, it's beautiful beaches. It's very dry inland because it's a gigantic, it's an old ancient volcano. If you look at a picture of it from a satellite, it's just this perfectly round island with literally the caldera in the center from way back when. But the beaches are beautiful. It's a chance to decompress. Once you're over in Europe, flying around there is actually quite cheap. Yeah. <laughs> but you just got to get over there first. But right. yeah, no, it's my favorite travel destination. It's just, it's very low key. It's lovely. I love it there. When I win the lottery, I won't announce it, but there will be signs, meaning I'm going to buy a house there or something like that. <laughs> That's great. I've never been before, but it sounds beautiful. I know you guys had said you were going for a while, so that's so exciting. That's great. Well, we actually did sort of a work holiday. We went out there. We're both working on two different nonfiction books of our own. We're writing right now. And so we spent several weeks at the apartment just writing in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I would teach my students. And it was great. It was a fantastic experience. And we're going to do it again soon. And the weather feels like Southern California, sunny and 75 every day. The water's fantastic. It's just a great place to just get away from it all. Yeah, that's great. So do you have any recent projects that you want to tell our listeners about? Absolutely. So I just finished doing, uh, literally just finished narrating a few days ago, a religious book by John Piper called Don't Waste Your Life. Now, what's interesting about the project is it's the 20th anniversary of the publication of the book. It's been a huge seller for him. But the interesting part was, is I narrated the book when it came out 20 years ago. So they've added some new material and I got a chance to narrate the updated version. So that was sort of a nice little get. I'm getting ready to do a book by an astrophysicist called Adam Frank, and the title is The Little Book of Aliens. It's a sort of a tongue-in-cheek examination of the Fermi paradox and why haven't we found aliens or if we have evidence of them and the physics of trying to interstellar travel and so on. And I thought that's about to happen. But I've got a couple juicy ones that I just finished a few months ago. I did this one. It was called The Con Queen of Hollywood by Scott Johnson. And it's the story about this man who could imitate men and women over the phone. And he basically would lure Hollywood freelancers like photographers, cinematographers, costume people, designers overseas to do scouting locations. And he built them out of, in the end, millions of dollars. Oh. And it's a story of how this reporter found him, tracked him down, and then now he's sitting in a London jail awaiting extradition to America. It's an amazing, jaw-dropping story. And then the other one, I'll just give you one more that I thought was really compelling. It was called The Secret Gate by Mitchell Zukoff. He's a sort of a investigative journalist. And this is the story of a very famous Afghani woman writer. And she and her son are trying to get out of Kabul as the American army is leaving and the Taliban are taking over the city. And it's a real nail-biter. If it doesn't end up as a Netflix series, it's going to be on a Hollywood release. It's oh. rare when you get a book that I didn't want to stop narrating it at the end of the day, working yeah. with the director. You know, <laughs> Like, can we just go one more page? No, we've done enough today. 
So those are some things that I've done recently and will be doing that I'm very excited about. That's great. Have you been watching any shows on TV? Is that something you like to do? Do you watch any series or anything on Netflix or anything like that? You know, I'm going to embarrass myself. I <laughs> watch so little television. I So much of my life is just go, 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 go. Yeah. You know, I'm a highly organized person. My feet hit the floor at 6 a.m. and I'm off and going the whole day. And uh, by the time I've made dinner and washed up, I only have a few hours left. And the problem that I've run into is there's just too much damn good television now. <laughs> I can tell you the last thing I did watch that was absolutely wonderful was Stanley Tucci in The Inside Man on Netflix. Okay. It was a BBC drama. I think it was three or four episodes. It was fantastic. It had David Tennant in it too, who was oh, Doctor nice. Who. Yeah, excellent piece. But the only reason I watched it was I was in England with Anna. And, <sighs> you know, that's one of the things we like to do on occasion is sit down and binge watch a show. Yeah. But the truth is in the evenings, I'll watch a YouTube video here and there, but I draw. My hobby is I sketch. So I'm constantly working on some little drawing or other and then putting some of them up on my personal Facebook page. That's the thing I decompress on. Well, I don't think yeah. I knew that about you. That's awesome. Yeah. I put them up on my Instagram and my Facebook page. So now don't get me wrong. There was a time I watched a ton of television. But like I said, the problem I have is I'll find a show on Netflix or Amazon. I go, oh, that looks great. Oh, six episodes. Oh, I don't have time because, <laughs> you know, I'll watch one and I won't get to episode two for several weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and then I've lost the damn plot. There's so many good options to choose from now. I'm embarrassed to say that, but that's the truth. <laughs> I'm the worst when it comes to that because during the school year, I'm never home. This summer, <laughs> one of my really sad goals was to, <laughs> watch, <laughs> was to watch as many shows as I possibly could because so, I don't uh, have time during the year. I binge watched so many shows this summer. I can't even tell you. Old ones, not even yeah. new ones. It was like Veronica Mars. That one is from the early 2000s. I watched... White collar. I love all the detective, police, FBI kind of stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. The irony is, I catch up on TV shows and movies when I'm flying around, going yeah. to conferences or flying overseas. I. What's really funny, I found, I live in Oklahoma. I have to fly into London, and that's a 24-hour day. From the time you wake up for the time you actually go to sleep, either way, it's a 24-hour travel day. And so, I'll get on the plane. I'll end up watching two or three movies. And the best part is I'll enjoy them when I see them. But by the time I get off the plane, I don't remember anything I've seen. So I get to watch them again. So <laughs> I can't remember a time when I was not on this airplane. I'm you know? sure. My gosh, that must be such a long flight. Holy cow. It's yeah, worth it. Absolutely. All right. Now some kind of silly questions. Do you have a favorite color? Blue. Okay. How about a favorite food? Oh, boy. Being from Oklahoma, we eat a lot of Tex-Mex food here. It has to be something Tex-Mex, like chimichangas or tacos or burritos. It's flavored pretty spicy from where I'm from. If I had a favorite food, it would have to be something that's Tex-Mex. Okay, cool. And are you a coffee or a tea drinker or both? I drink coffee in the United States and more tea when I'm in England. I'm very democratic in my morning beverage. How <laughs> about that? <laughs> All right. Well, that's our app for today. Can you tell our listeners your social media handles so that they can follow you if they choose? Sure. Well, you can find me online at seanprattpresents.com. My handle on Instagram 
and Facebook and now X, <laughs> which we're talking about, is at SP Presents. And you can find me on LinkedIn as well under my name, Sean Allen Pratt. I'll put all of that in the show notes so that everyone can click around and follow you and see what you're up to. And I'm so excited that you're coming to Maple 2023 on November 10th through 12th. It's going to be amazing. It's always great to chat with you. In the meantime, I wish you tons of continued success in your voiceover career and everything you do. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And I can't wait to see you and everybody who's coming. It's going to be a blast. I've been looking forward to it from the moment you contacted me about coming. So it's just been building up. I'm I'm really excited. Me too. I can't wait. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Live with Squacky. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to register for Mavo 2023 coming up on November 10th through 12th at the Weston Douglas Hotel in Herndon, Virginia. Our keynote speaker this year is Serena Irwin and our platinum sponsor is Nava. I'd love to see you there. Check out all the details and register now at www.minatlanticvo.com. See you soon. Live with Squacky was mixed and mastered by everybody's favorite voiceover tag, Uncle Roy Okelson of Antland Productions. Live with Squacky is sponsored in part by Mid-Atlantic Voiceover LLC and Antland Productions. Quack.